I want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're at the beginning of a brand new series called God's Relentless Love. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called The Divine Setup. Let's open our Bibles and our hearts to Luke chapter 19. This morning, we're going to begin a brand new uh, series in God's Word. It's called God's Relentless Love. God's Relentless Love. And as we're beginning this new series, we're really beginning a a new, um, you might say, trajectory or a new focus in our church family over the next uh, year or so. And uh, this comes right from our elders. And uh, we're going to be focusing on the topic of evangelism. Uh, How do I share uh, the good news? We have it right over here. If you look at our uh, fourth pillar, sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness. How do I do that? And maybe for some of you, the thought of sharing your faith with someone is just like intimidating. I I wouldn't even know where to start. But I want you to know as we go through this year, I felt like that. We all feel like that sometimes. But I believe that God is going to not only bring a new focus, but a new joy. If you look in scripture, one of these seasons, you will, of greatest joy, not here on earth, but in heaven, is when someone chooses to come back to their heavenly father. It says there's rejoicing in heaven. So we're going to be looking at this, this new series. Uh, we actually have two series that are going to be coming uh, pretty much back to back on this topic. I want you to hear this above all. Evangelism is, above all, the story of God's relentless love. Maybe you think, but I need to know how to share. I need to know how to talk to someone. Like, there's people in my life, and I've been praying for them, and I want to see them come to faith. And I want you to pull back, and, 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 and the first question here we need to ask is, why do we do evangelism? Let me just tell you, you're not the first one to the party. When we come and begin to share our faith with other people, as we begin to talk to them about what Jesus has done in our lives, if we begin to talk to them about what God has told us in his word, we're like the last person or the second to last person showing up at the party because what God is doing through us as we share our faith has begun in eternity past God's heart of love waiting to be expressed through us. If you think evangelism is about you and your ability to communicate, you've missed the vast majority and for sure the first part of the whole story of God's relentless love. Evangelism is about what God is doing. It is about God's story, God's heart. And we talk about this concept of sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness. I know that you care deeply about people. I see in the prayer request, and not a week goes by if there aren't four or five or six or seven people requesting prayer for someone in their, their, their lives that is far from God, maybe has never come to faith, or someone who is running from the Lord. And we pray over those. And we celebrate with you when the day comes when that prayer is answered. But God uses us. What we're looking to create here, and again, this is uh, the heart of our elders, what we believe God is speaking to our church family 
is that we need to build a culture of evangelism. Not just a few quick sermons on how to, okay, now I know what to say, or now I know more about evangelism, I'm smarter. But we want to build within our culture. We want to be a place where people can come who don't know about Jesus Christ. And maybe some of you are even here today and you don't know much about Jesus Christ. And what do you mean to come to salvation? And who is Jesus? You heard all these songs lifting his name high. I don't really get it. Why do, they, why do you sing like that? We want to be a welcoming place where, where God is at work. And where people can encounter the presence of the living God. And we're going to be building that over the next few years and praying for people and seeing God do what only God can do. Evangelism is most of all about the heart of God. And I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bible with me uh, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. And while you're going over there, I'll just again make a note of this, that this series for the next three weeks, we're going to be focusing on the why question. Why do we do evangelism? Why do we share the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness? Why do we do that? Sometimes too quickly, we just jump in and we say, how are we going to do it? If you could just tell me, pastor, the magical words, I would share them with my friends and they would come to know there aren't any magical words, okay? And, and, and more than that, if we're going to really grasp why God wants us to go and make disciples, we have to understand the heart of God first. Uh, then in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at the how. How do I share my faith? That'll be a little bit longer. How do I go about, I, I have some people that I love, but I don't know how to love them by sharing the gospel with them. And we're going to look at the how question uh, in a few weeks from now, and we'll have another series talking about that. So I hope you're encouraged about that. Now let's go to the text, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. Uh, join me in verse 1. And it says, he, it's talking about Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. Look up here for a moment. It's amazing how much will happen in the life of Jesus Christ as he's seemingly walking through on his way. How many of us know that some of the biggest opportunities that God gives us happen when we're really doing something else? Look at me, verse two. And there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now, some of you remember Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was a Somebody was in Sunday school. And if you don't know what they're singing about right now, you didn't miss much. Um, I, don't, I was in my doctor's office this week, and I was telling him, I was working on my iPad as I was waiting, and I was, he, I was talking about what I do, and, he, and I brought up that I was preaching on Zacchaeus, and he piped up. <laughs> Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, oh, oh, to be known for things like being a wee little man, right? Um, but the, really, his problem was not his height. His problem was that before God, his heart was a wee little problem. Notice that in the text it says here that he was a chief tax collector. What does that mean? That means that Zacchaeus oversaw a tax collecting. And now, now back in those days there wasn't like civil servants like we would think of our IRS civil servants. Okay, um, God bless you if you're here today and you're an IRS civil servant. God loves you. We mostly do. No, we love you. Um, 
So what they would do is that the Roman government would kind of franchise out, think franchising H&R Block. They would send their tax collectors and they would kind of sell a franchise. And then that area would be devoted to that person. That person would go collect the taxes for the Roman government. And then they would get a little cut on the side and maybe more than a little cut because they had the law, quote, behind them. And they would abuse the law. And so these tax collectors, were not only collaborators with the Romans, they were hated. Hated. They were corrupt. Now we're going to find out that Zacchaeus is not an Italian. He's not Roman. Okay? He's a Jewish collaborator with the enemy. Think of World War II. Think of some of the horrible atrocities going on in various countries under Nazi rule. And who are the most hated people? They were the French collaborating with the Germans or the Nazis getting rid of people in their own country. Traitor to the max. Now, already in the text, just use some of the words being used, tips us off that not only was he despised, he had a dubious character. Okay? Think of the tax collector. Now, he was the chief tax collector. He may not have been the guy that actually did the work, but he was the guy sitting in the office telling everybody where to go get the money. So not only was he corrupt, he was overseeing the corruption. He would have been linked in that day with people like robbers, thieves, killers, murderers. He would have been thought of to be, if we want to use our our terms today, uh, he would have been a part of the underworld, the dark side, the corruption. You You ever heard the saying, you know, I know somebody who's got a guy for that, right? He was the guy for that. Or he knew the guys for that. He was the underworld of the Jewish world, and he was absolutely a sinner. He was hated in every way. And ironically, in the midst of all that, look what the text says next. Verse 3. And it says that he was seeking to see who Jesus was. And on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. I find it very interesting here. It says, uh, the fourth word here in the verse, it says that he was, he was what? He was seeking. He was seeking Jesus. He had heard about Jesus. Maybe he had heard of the miracles. And he was like, I want to see this man. Now, we're told that there were other people in Scripture that were waiting to see Jesus and seeking to see Jesus, such as Herod. Now, we know from Scripture that by the time Herod eventually sees Jesus, all he wants to see is a magician. He just wants to see somebody do something crazy. He has no heart for Jesus. But Zacchaeus, on the other hand... He wanted to meet this rabbi who hung out with sinners. I wanted to bring this into our world for just a moment. I think sometimes we naturally see our own faith, our walk with the Lord, if you will, our faith. We see it in terms of our following God or our seeking God. We say, we would say, hey, so-and-so is not seeking God. What that means is they're not trying to follow God with their life. And, but some of us who are, many of us who are, we're seeking God. We're trying to get to know him. We love him. And many times we think of our relationship with the Lord in terms of what we're seeking and our effort to follow God. Now that's entirely 
correct in one sense. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible with me to Isaiah chapter 55 verse 6. It's entirely uh, correct for us to think of our responsibility to seek after God, to seek to follow his ways, to seek to know him. Again, that's Isaiah 55 and verse 6. God is speaking here to his people some 700 years before Christ, and he speaks to the people, and he says this in verse 6. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God and he will abundantly pardon. Now seeking God is part of our responsibility. When you get into eternity and your life is on rewind... If you chose not to follow after God, not to seek after God and to follow after him, uh, it's not like you can go blame God for that or blame your spouse for that. You have a responsibility and I have a responsibility to seek after God. However, that is not the total story or even the critical part of the story. I want you to continue reading with me in Isaiah verse 8. God speaking. For he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes forth out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Listen, listen. What these verses are reminding us is of the greatness of our God. We are called to seek after God But God, whose ways are far beyond our ways, whose thoughts go far beyond what we can even imagine. And I believe that we're going to spend all eternity just in great awe of the ways and purposes and knowledge and thoughts of God, what little we can grasp. The God whose ways are far above our ways is a God of love. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church in Columbus. You know, I pray that as you listen to Meeting with God daily, you are growing in your passion to follow Jesus Christ. But you know, following Jesus is more than just listening to sermons. It's about serving Him with our gifts and abilities. Hey, can I encourage you to think about what would be the next step of faith in serving Christ in your church or your community? And you know, if you don't have a church, let me invite you to visit our church family at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus. And where we would not naturally love a sinner, where we would not naturally respond to a wicked person, uh, some of us, we might even want to uh, get rid of Zacchaeus. We have some other thoughts about what to do with him. And yet the God whose ways are far above our ways is the God whose perfect love 
is toward us. And we're going to see that here in the text. The God of perfect love, the God of greater thoughts, of grace. Look with me back to verse 4. Back to the Gospel of Luke, verse 4, chapter 19. Zacchaeus is seeking, but more is going on. Verse 4, it says, So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For Jesus was about to pass that way. I remember being down in Barbados when we were, I was preaching to a bunch of kids and we went down there last May and I look forward to our church family uh, going down and being a part of what God's doing in Barbados. And um, I remember spending a lot of time teaching them about Zacchaeus being a wee little man and if you're not tall and there's a crowd, you're not going to see Jesus. But there was more to it than that. You see, because Zacchaeus would have been such a hated person, it really wasn't exactly safe to be walking around. Uh, before uh, long, there would become a group known as the Sakari, and they had these special little shaped knives, and they would go around and knife collaborators. In fact, so much so, those knives became illegal. And um, people that collaborated with the Romans were hated. Hated. And one of the commentators made a great point in this text. He said, listen, part of the reason why he ran up in the tree wasn't just because he was short. It's because he didn't want to be vulnerable to some of the people that might have hated his guts. Imagine if you lost your family business because of him illegally taking your money. Think about what you might be thinking about him. And here is Zacchaeus. It's possible that he went up in a, a fig sycamore and they grow up to about 60 feet and they have tons of leaves. And so there, it's an easy tree to climb. He would have climbed up and he might have been in a place where he could see Jesus, but no one could see him. So here is Zacchaeus climbing up the tree, trying to get a good view of Jesus. He wants to see this man who's said to heal the blind and and to love even sinners. And who knows what was going on in his heart at that moment. Verse 5. When Jesus came to that place. He looked up and said to him. Zacchaeus. Hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house. Today. Imagine the astonishment of a man who has climbed up a tree, tried to get a good angle on Jesus, and suddenly Jesus comes this way, stops, looks up at him, and calls him by name. I'm not sure what you're thinking right here, but I'm thinking God moment. Now, can I ask you a question? What is the greatest expression of God's love in this verse? Look back with me at this verse here. Something awesome is happening. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now, we're going to vote here in the church. We're going to have a voting season here, and we're going to take a poll. We'll forget the election. We're done with elections. Let's, let's stick to polls, okay? We can have those all the time, right? What is it that is the most awesome loving aspect of what God is doing in this verse. What is it? What would you say? What do you think? I'm looking at the text. You'll look back at the text. This is an open book exam. Paul. 
says that Jesus came to this place and he looked up and said to him, like, I'm, I, what are we thinking here? What's the most awesome, riveting aspect of the love of God that you're seeing in this verse? What is it? Called him by name. How many of us would love if someone, that special someone, calls your name for the first time? What that meant to you? Maybe you're missing somebody that's in eternity. If I could just hear them one more time, call my name. I miss them. What else? Relationship. Not only do I acknowledge who you are and not call you out of the tree and rip you a new one for what you're doing. I want relationship with you. I'm going to go to your house. A place that most Jews wouldn't go on their worst day. I'm going to go to your house. I think we could spend more time in the text here just analyzing aspect after aspect of God's love. But I want to draw you to one word. Sometimes in our desire to look for the many things God is doing, we miss the big answer. The key word in this verse is Jesus. Jesus. God's greatest expression of love toward you, toward me, and especially right in this text toward Zacchaeus, is not what he said. It's who he is. Think about how this verse goes if we take the word Jesus and the person of Jesus out of the text. You see, sometimes we as believers, and we, maybe you're not a believer, maybe you're just checking out what, we welcome you here. We're so glad you're here. And as we talk about Jesus, sometimes we get so caught up in what he's doing for me today and what I'd like for him to do today that we forget the very greatest expression of love from God to man on planet earth is Jesus Christ. God's love for us is visible in Jesus. John 3.16, a verse that many of us know, probably not quite almost as well as the song you almost sang to me at the beginning here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If you hear nothing else today, if you hear nothing else about evangelism, about learning to share your faith, all evangelism begins right here. God so loved the world that he sent his son. You take that out of the picture, there's no such thing as sharing any good news about really anything. Sometimes we get lost in the how of God's love and miss the who. I want you to imagine, how does this story read if there's no Jesus? In fact, I'm going to ask you to take it up a level here into your own life. What is your life like if there's no Jesus? Think about it. You for sure wouldn't be here today, right? I probably wouldn't be married to the same person. I for sure wouldn't be living in Ohio. I might have converted to the greatness of the Buckeyes somehow. I don't know, but God's greatest expression of love. Don't ever forget this. If you're ever wondering, does God love me? Just go right back to John 3, 16. For God so loved, put yourself in there. For God so loved me that he sent his son, the second person of the Trinity, to come into a broken world and to put on flesh. That is love. That is love. 
the greatest expression of love. God's love for us is visible in Jesus. There is no savior to be sought by Zacchaeus if there is no Jesus. There is no savior to draw out sinners and to lead him to repentance and faith if there is no Jesus. There is no savior to suffer and atone for Zacchaeus if there is no Jesus. The person of Jesus Christ in human flesh is God's greatest expression of love. All evangelism comes back to this core thing of for God so loved the world that he sent his son. And maybe when you're thinking about how, how am I going to share my faith? Stop, stop. I, I do that. I get the car before the horse, right? We get confused and we get ahead on the other thing. We need to back up and say, listen, the greatest news we have to share, the reason why I have the privilege to share my faith is because for God so loved the world that he sent his son. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Meeting with God is a listener-supported ministry which strives to share the good news of Jesus Christ each day. Our prayer is that this radio program will lift people's eyes and hearts to our Savior, Jesus. If you would like to be a part of the Meeting with God team of financial donors who make this ministry possible, please visit our website, verticalchurch.life. We are thankful for your partnership in the gospel. And as always, we hope to meet you back here at the very same time tomorrow for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.